This is an exciting edition of Inspiring Experiences. And thank you for joining us here today. I'm Marlene Giuliano. We want to delve into the phenomenon of Elvis Presley. What an inspiring man. We want to discover, after 45 years since his death, why people are still enduring fans of his and why he is still alive in our hearts. Now, he was such a wonderful performer, and we're excited today to have one of his co-stars with us. She's the author of Pigtails, Presley and Pepper. It's Cynthia Pepper, Elvis's co-star in the 1964 movie Kissing Cousins, and she's here joining us today. Cynthia, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you, Marlene, for having me. Cynthia, what do you think it was about Elvis that still intrigues us to this day and keeps us curious over so many years? I think because he was one of us. He was down to earth, and he had said to me, and I'm not the only one he said this to, but he said, uh, Cynthia, do you, do you think the fans will remember me when I'm gone? And I said, of course, Elvis. Well, I didn't know, you know, so many years later. And uh, they sure have, all over the world. Because I've talked to many people who say that they were in the depths of despair and crying, and they put on an Elvis song and listened to it, and somehow it lifted, lifted their spirits. And I, he was always searching in his own life for the meaning of life and so forth. And um, I think it, it's, uh, it's attributed to um, where he came from and who he was as a man. And uh, he means something different to some different people, but basically it's what's, what's kept us together as, as Elvis fans and friends. That he, he was very generous in life, as we all know, but he's still generous now because he's bringing people together. I've talked to people who became really best friends from different countries because they'd meet in Memphis or some Elvis festival, and they, they're friends for life. And it gives me chills to even think about that. There isn't anyone as a, as a human that I can say that would, happen, that would happen to, that would bring people together like he does. You know, I, I'm just thinking of when you co-starred in Kissing Cousins, and it seemed that, um, you know, Elvis just offered you, or he wanted it so badly, he told uh, his person to get a hold of your person because he wanted you so badly in that movie and you were an actress for for such a length of time and had a desire from an acting family to be an actress and put your all into it and I call that an inspiring experience hard work really being with people that have the like interests and then the doors open and you walk through well the thing is is that uh, I am I must be spiritual I believe I'm a, I have faith and I'm optimistic. I always think it's the small things in life that make you happy. I found that in my life. And I never ask for anything. I might ask for help finding my own way. But I, I remember saying a prayer to, did I believe in God, that show me the way. If you want me to stay in this business, you know, I'll, I'll need some sign. And I think within two weeks, this is the sign I got. And I believe it came from above. I really do. And that's when I got the part with I didn't have to audition. He saw me on some television show. He said, didn't know me personally. And of course, I knew who he was and uh, said she might be right for it. So I was 
kind of, uh, it was destined that way. And like I've said before to you that uh, anyone who knew him and worked with him, part of history because he'll always go down as uh, the icon of, you know, cultural uh, icon of, of our time and, and beyond because he's still so popular. So that was meant to be. I think we have a path that we have to follow and sometimes we make the right choices. We've been choices and hopefully you make the right one. And um, I made the right one with that. And um, I'm very grateful to be here uh, right now and talking to you. Oh, I want to ask you, do, do you think Elvis had an ego? Did he have an ego at all? I, I think any actor has an ego. But I, I always say, you know, he was special. And someone who is special, or let's say, there's a lot of pretty people in this world, you know, men, women, handsome, beautiful. But if they don't have it, and that's just a cliche, but they don't have something to back it up in character or heart, it's just a shell. And, you know, after a while, that gets boring. But if they have to back it up, he, he I don't think he thought he was special, and that made him special. I mean, he knew who he was, and unfortunately, it, it, um, it could have got the best of him because of the fame, which is very difficult very difficult to live through. I don't have that at all, but I, you can see what happens to people. And um, he, it, it, it's, um, but he knew who he was, but he would never, you know, acted like he was anything special. And that made him special, I think. Believe in yourself. You can feel that if you know who you are, you can do something with your talent. Cynthia Pepper, you did that. You were determined to be an actress. And you starred in your own series. Now, not a lot of people can say that. Margie in the 1960s and My Three Sons, great television shows. When did the acting bug start and where did it come from to lead you into an inspiring experience that got you in front of Elvis? Oh, I was born into it. I was born in a trunk, as they say. My mom and dad were in the business. And I had no other I'm a choice. I had no other feelings for it. I never wanted to be anything else. And um, I, I used to joke and say, well, I, when I did, got Margie, and it was on 20th Century Fox, and I was under contract, I thought, well, I'll pay them to be Margie. <laughs> but that, I, didn't, I didn't want to say that too loudly. But I, uh, I felt very, very fortunate. Um, I had to work for that as far as you know, auditioning and so forth. I think there were 200 girls that were up for it. And um, I asked the producers later on, who later uh, wrote for Johnny Carson, his night show, why they picked me and they said candidly they said well you you weren't the that much of a beauty you were I well thank you so much and he said well, wait a minute they were wrong about no, that no, no, no the thing is no woman wants to hear that right whether it's true or not I said well wait a minute and they said no wait a minute you don't understand you got the part didn't you we didn't want a femme fatale we didn't want a glamour girl we wanted the girl next door I said okay I can I can take that as an answer and uh, he said, you're Margie, right? And I said, yeah, so don't worry about it. And then you had the pigtails. Yes. And uh, we were talking just before we started this that how I was actually searching um, just on YouTube, and I found your little mm -hmm. bit of part about Margie before I even knew we were going to get together here today. And uh, what a great what a great part. And, you know, 1920s, young girl, and great cast and all of that stuff. I know in, in your book, Pigtails, Presley, and Pepper, the three Ps, right. uh, you talk about the Elvis connection. 
Now, to me, it's an inspiring experience. It's where the universe is setting you up for an opportunity, an opportunity that's going to come true. And it did, didn't it? It did. I, I was born in Hollywood and raised in Hollywood. And the first song I heard was uh, Heartbreak Hotel that Elvis did. And of course, I was like a, a groupie. I would say, oh, that's Elvis. But I, I knew my good friend who was an Elvis lady, leading lady, Yvonne Craig. When we lived in Hollywood, my family, in, in the same apartment building was a guy named, um, oh, my God. He's saying, I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus. Oh, I know that Jimmy, song. Jimmy, oh, I know him. But anyway, we used to hang out. We were a year apart in age. And he turned out, as an adult, to marry Yvonne Craig. And I thought, well, okay, that's my first connection, because Yvonne and I were close, and she was an Elvis leading lady. And uh, so it just I see it through my whole life. And now um, when I'm watching TV or in a restaurant, maybe I can hear in the back, Elvis and my husband will say, do you realize you're probably the only one in this room that worked with Elvis or maybe even knew him? And I said, yeah, what a, how lucky I am. Because it's 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 um, it's a blessing, it really is. And the fans are the best. The fans, he has got the best fans, and they're the wonderful. And we're like family sometimes, dysfunctional at times. <laughs> the Elvis world, but we are like family. And uh, the kissing cousins. I always say when I come up to Canada, I'm visiting my kissing cousins. Kind of put a plug in for the movie, but also true, we become like family. And um, someone I had some guy years ago come off stage, he was an Elvis impersonator, uh, ETA, Elvis tribute artist now, and he pretended he was Elvis off the stage and almost, you know, bumped into me and he's, oh, sorry, little lady. And I thought, don't do that. There's only one Elvis and you ain't it, you know. And the thing is, is that I, I took a, a thing from Oscar Wilde. He said, um, uh, just be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. And it's perfect because you, you're unique in your own way. No matter who you are, there's not another one exactly like you. So um, I always remember that. And you have a connection with me, too, with Elvis, because I wrote a song about Elvis that's been sung all over the world uh, by his first cousin, Donna Presley. And, uh, you know, it's just like connection, connection. Mm -hmm. You put yourself out there. You join something that of interest, a common interest. And you work towards it, and things just unfold. Let's get to the part where, when things unfolded with Elvis for you, um, you were told that if you could fit into the WAC Army uniform, you could get the part, and Kissing Cousins didn't have to audition. Now, that's a rare thing. It was very rare. It was one of those times when I did say a prayer and show me the way. That's And so I, I was, it was about two weeks later, I... I was coming home with groceries. We lived in West Hollywood at the time, my husband and I. And I went to, we had um, answering machines in those olden days. And I called the answering machine. They said, uh, someone, uh, Elvis Presley's, I don't know, not agent, but manager, someone called. And Elvis Presley saw you on something. Don't know what it is, but he thought that you might be right for the part of Midge Riley in, in this movie they're making. And they start Monday. And you go over to MGM Studios. This was a Friday, and uh, go to the wardrobe department, and if you can fit into the uniform because you're playing a whack, you've got the part. Well, that was the easiest thing in the world. That changed my whole life, basically, especially career-wise, but even my whole life because I met people through the years because of that. And uh, we only shot for about two and a half weeks. All his, well, Most of his movies were quick, 
And I first met him and he went to shake his hand. He said, honey, don't give me an old hand. Give me a big old hug. Because he was, that's how warm he was and made me feel comfortable. Because I was a big fan of Elvis. Uh, yeah, when I was growing up, you know, 1955. Heartbreak Hotel was the first song. And talking about Heartbreak Hotel, you had a bit of a Heartbreak Hotel just being in Elvis's presence. Because just imagine if, you know, being introduced to Elvis, I mean. Mm. And he said, give me a big old hug. Um, getting into the movie, you only had two and a half weeks to shoot the movie, which is like a crazy schedule. And you were out in some remote place uh, where there's lots of trees and dirt roads and things like that. Tell us a little bit about that, because I know Elvis had a pet name for you. He called you Speckled Pop, but there was a kitty involved. Mm. So it's a Speckled Pop and a kitty. And uh, the king of rock and roll. The king of rock and roll. I'm a big animal lover and uh, any kind of animal. And uh, I always had, always had cats. But anyway, uh, so I was a big bear. The motel, we each had our own room. And it was wood. You know, it was supposed to be the big smoky mountains. And there was this stray cat that was running around, a tabby cat. And I asked the manager, and it was about another two more days to, to come home. You know, we shoot two more days and then go to the studio. MGM. So I said to the manager, I said, anyone own it? No, just a feral cat. So I, I tried to get it and I couldn't get it. So I told Elvis about it. And Elvis said, I'll see what I can do, honey. I'll try to get him for it. So he and a couple of the guys were traipsing in the woods when I said, there he is, there he is, there he is. And got the cat from me and I took it home and had her. It was a woman. It was a woman. It was a female, actually. And had her till she passed. And I thought, well, the, actually, Elvis helped me find her. And I loved him for that because of the how I love animals so much. And Elvis, I mean, he didn't say, I'm a big star. I can't step in and help you find a cat. He stepped right in there. He had such great manners. And it brings me to something I've heard recently in social media. There's an actress that's on Third Rock from the Sun. Now, I don't remember her name because I haven't watched that program. But she believes that children should not have to say please and thank you. Now, Elvis was known for his manners and his hospitality. And I tell you, doors have opened for me because of good manners. What do you think of that? I think we've lost a lot of good manners, please and thank you. And uh, maybe it has to do with social media. I'm not on anything particularly. Um, but um, it's always, uh, we've lost it. We've Civility, we, we should be kinder. Everybody knows that. And uh, he was always sir and ma'am, but that was his upbringing in the, in the South a lot. And he would have his lady sit in his chair if he, some lady was standing next to him or walking around and wanted to sit. He had his director's chair, but he wasn't, he wasn't the director, but he had a director's chair. And he said, ma'am, I saw him many times, ma'am, you would you care to sit down here? And it just, he was, it, it was inbred to do that. And too many people have lost that at all. I think all over the world, but especially here, I think. And I, I mean, I go way back. So I go way back before you had to you know, lock doors and everything. And you could, you know, walk the streets. And now it's, it's really not too nice. But um, it's, it's always nice. And you do get, you get a lot further by the please and thank you. And may I open the door for you and that kind of thing. I think it's something um, fundamentally wrong not to teach your children manners because... Um, manners make a difference in opportunities. Manners make a difference in people liking you, appreciating you, respecting you. And speaking of of respect and uh, manners, there was a great thing that happened to you 
not too long ago when you were in a movie with Sandra Bullock. Uh, you were a bit nervous on set, and like, who wouldn't be? Um, but you kind of flubbed your lines in the beginning, and I know what that could be like. Uh, and sometimes it's unnerving. But what happened next is quite interesting, and it, and it kind of talks to us about, you know, not giving up, just, you know, doing what you have to do, and mistakes happen. How did you get through it? Tell well, us about well, it. This was, this was uh, I think, 2005 in Vegas. I live in Las Vegas, and they were shooting Miss Congeniality, too. And I, my other friend, uh, Beverly Washburn, who is a wonderful actress, we, were, we had to read for it, actually, in two lines each. For one, two lines, period. So we did, and I got the, we both got lines. But anyway, I got the line where, where she's running, she played Gracie, Gracie Hart, Sandra Bullock. And I think she was engaged to Jesse at the time, her husband, then husband. Anyway, so um, we, I, I, they got me from the dressing room. I went in and to talk to her, to meet her with the director and a couple other people, and they said, the director said, now we're just going to run the two lines. You start the, the scene. She, she's running out of a door. I'm running out of a door. I'm trying to catch up with her so she could sign my book that I just bought. Okay, so I'm thinking, okay, I hadn't done anything big like this. I mean, this is a big movie. And I thought, okay, this is, I'm a little nervous now. So I, I fortunately, it was just running the lines. I got up and I said, he said, okay, Cynthia, say your lines. I went completely blank. All I had was two lines. I went completely blank and I said, oh my gosh, I was acting before she was even born. And I, you know, I'm a professional and I can't do two lines. And he, she was very sweet and said, well, just because I had rushed to meet her and all that. So we just calmed down. I sat down for a minute, maybe had a glass of water or something. And they said, let's do it again. And I did it and it was fine. And then we shot it. Uh, I didn't make the mistake. I think my, my, if you saw it and blink, you'd miss me. But, uh, but I did get credit for it. So um, she was very, very gracious. But when I shot, I didn't, I didn't goof it up. It was like, Miss Hart, would you mind signing? And she said, we're rushing. I'm rushing after her. Will you sign my book? And she goes, oh, I, I'm too busy. And I said, well, are you still, gonna, uh, are you still engaged to uh, Prince William? And I said, please, dear God, don't let me say Prince Charles <laughs> at the time. And I didn't. I did it right. And it was fine. It was fine. But it was so embarrassing. But... Um, and their technique has changed too with the camera and with the different what they say on set and everything but she was very gracious and I thought well at least it was just in rehearsal it wasn't you know on on camera I would have been mortified I had an uh, opportunity to interview um Debbie Reynolds at one time and um I remember when I was really small watching some reruns of her that she had a weekly show where she'd come on, introduce herself at a, at a glamorous mirror, all beautifully looking, a beautiful looking lady. And then they would do a little kind of um, acting scenes every week. So I mentioned that to her, but because I think that was on television just a short time, she thought, oh, I must think she's someone else. Uh, so I felt a little embarrassed. Oh. Um, yeah, so sometimes things like that happen. And I couldn't really reassure her, no, no, it was you. You were on this program. I can't remember what it was called. But yeah, she was just so glamorous that it impressed me so much as a wee one that I just was like, okay, I have to mention this to her, but it kind of went south. So we just pick ourselves up and we just carry on. Isn't that right? I had a, a similar, I don't know if I should tell it, but um, I don't know if I should tell it, but it was someone I thought 
uh, I had worked with their son, a famous actress, and I had worked with his, their son as, as, a, as a, playing my, my brother at some show I did. And I, I, had, I had talked to her about it years before. And, oh, yes, here's his number. He's a grown man. So I thought, okay, I'm going to introduce my friend. It's one of these conventions. And I'm going to walk over to her and I'm going to say, nice to see you again. This is my friend, so-and-so. So I did. And she says, I don't have a son. I said, well, yeah, yeah you know, you, you told me his name. I mean, I could no, and the, the gentleman who was with her said, she should know she has a son or not. And I was, well, uh, you know, of course. So I, I what, slinked away, and I, I kind of figured maybe it was a stepson, and they don't speak anymore, so she just ignored it. It was an older lady. I'm thinking, if you think someone has a son, that you actually talked to her about it, and she gave you a card of his son, and then now she says she doesn't. It makes me look like a an idiot, doesn't it, kind of? So I just said, well, hey. Well, I think it makes her look a little bit well, I was like just, that. I was, I was really surprised. But the point is, is that uh, we all do stuff like that. And when I saw, I did meet uh, Ginger Rogers because my daddy was married to Ginger Rogers. I didn't mention that, but I want to say this real quick. I saw her in, at the 20th Century Fox um, wardrobe department one time. I was doing my pilot, Margie, and she was doing a pilot. Now, this is when you say something kind of silly. So I said, I said, there's Ginger Rogers. I've got to say something to her. So I went over to her and I said, Miss Rogers? She says, yes. I said, my name is Cynthia Pepper. I believe you know my father. Well, of course she knew my father. She was married to him. She kind of <laughs> chuckled and she gave me a big hug and she says, well, how is it, dear boy? And then after that, we went to the commissary a couple of times for lunch, but she was very, very dear. And I thought, that was the silliest thing to say, but I was excited and we say stuff, you know? Sometimes we can take it back and sometimes we can't. Well, at Elvis uh, events, you're on stage and questions come to you from the audience. And I was talking to your Canadian friend and agent here, Victor. And he said... He's not my agent. Oh, he's not your agent. A friend. 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 Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, gee, sometimes it's the same questions over and over again. And I said, I bet there's a question that I could think of that someone hasn't asked. So I'm going to ask you right Uh-oh. now. And that question is, what do you eat for lunch? And have you had lunch with Elvis? Because I think you might have on craft services when you were in Kissing Cousins. What do I eat now for lunch? What did you eat now? Oh, what did then or now? Oh, I don't know. I don't. Some, I I only eat two meals a day, and I I eat dinner about two o'clock in the afternoon. It's better for me. I can you know don't gain too much weight. And uh, two or three, I don't eat past three unless it's a piece of toast. That's my what I do. So, but with Elvis, I don't remember what we ate. But the craft services, and I know that he. He did kind of hang around, you know. He, a lot of them go to their dressing room and you never see them. But he was always available and accessible to us to talk. And, you know, and I always hung around with the, with the crew. I love the crew of any show I did. I think they're, they're the best. They put the whole thing, make you look good, or don't make it. They make you look good, you know. And um, I don't remember what we ate. I have no idea. But I'm sure you ate something. Oh, yes. Something good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, of good... You have been such a good and, uh, how would I say, accommodating guest. Uh, before we uh, have actually done this uh, interview on Inspiring Experiences, we did another uh, interview for television, and we've just been sharing some time together. We've just, I've just enjoyed having you. you so much as a guest. Thank you. You've just been so delightful. Thank you so much, Marlene. I'd appreciated that. That was very nice. Well, I want to I want to really again say thank you uh, to Cynthia Pepper for joining us. You can see she's such a lovely lady with a great heart, and I suggest everyone um, 
that she, that you find her book. Now it's on Amazon and it's called Pigtails, Presley and Pepper. It's such an interesting read, such an interesting life that this lady has had. And uh, I really recommend it. I call it the good, the bad, not too ugly. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, on that note, I want to thank everyone for listening to Inspiring Experience Podcast. And I want to encourage you to keep listening. We're heard on Spotify, Apple, Castaway, Anchor FM, Breakers, and many more places that great podcasts are heard. And remember, I'm Marlene Juliana reminding you that an inspiring experience can happen at any time. Are you ready? <laughs>